Hi guys, here we are today with uh, Andrew Sears, uh, Senior Campaigns Associate at Cedars. Andrew, how are you? I'm great, thanks Lauren, how are you? Yeah, good, good to see you. Um, wh wh why don't we kick off just by um, finding out a little bit more about yourself, what your background is, um, you know, what experience you have and really how you entered into the investment world. Yeah, so uh, originally from Sydney, Australia, um, I moved over to London around about four years ago. And that was when I got into the investment space, startup space. Uh, always had ideas for companies, uh, never really understood what the flip side of being a, a founder really is. And I got very interested in into sort of investment and how these uh, companies grow from an idea to a product or a service. And um, now working at Cedars, I've been here for about a year and a half. I'm a senior associate here and my day-to-day -day job is really speaking with founders uh, about their fundraising goals, what they're building and seeing whether Cedars as, a, as an equity crowdfunding platform may be able to sort of assist in, in that process. I mean, and, and in terms of that, you know, there's obviously quite a few um, crowdfunding platforms and uh, uh, routes for founders to raise capital. What, what is it that Caesar is really doing? What, what are you guys trying to achieve? What's the overarching mission? Yeah, so it's a way for uh, founders to be able to have access to additional investment that's uh, sort of bolted onto an existing funding round. Um, so what do I mean by that? I guess let's just take a step back and look at Cedars and what we've done since since 2012. So we're an FCA regulated company that's regulated in the UK. And this is where over the years we've facilitated 1,700 funding rounds for companies that list their businesses on the website. So we've facilitated 2.1 billion pounds of investment into these kinds of companies. These companies are sector agnostic. They are raising between 150,000 pounds and 16 million pounds. And what we do is we top up an allocation of that funding round to the crowd. So to the retail investor, to the everyday person. And this is, was uh, sort of quite revolutionary. Going back to the GFC, um, Speeders was spun out of a London-based university for investors to be able to democ or for us to be able to democratize access for investment into young companies, where traditionally it was only accessible for institutions, VC funds, syndicates. So things have developed significantly since Cedars was built. Uh, and I guess this all stems to then the, the mission and the mission is for founders to have additional access to capital for their users to invest into products or services that they're passionate about. And then also on the flip side for investors to invest into these kinds of companies uh, and yeah, as little as 10 pounds and as much as you want. I mean, and, and as a founder, like when should companies or startups really start thinking about raising capital? Yeah. Uh, so from my experience of working as a, as a senior associate here at, at, 
at Cedars as an equity crowdfunding platform. Um, I want to just touch on my expertise and my experiences speaking with with these kinds of companies. I can't speak on behalf of VC funds and uh, other uh, other kinds of investors, but how Cedars and how crowdfunding uh, blends into a company's fundraising uh, sort of objectives is that top up. It's where we would support businesses to seek capital when they are looking to grow much faster uh, than what they're currently doing. And this is, I guess, the reason for why companies go out to seek capital, to have extra cash, to put it into the business and use it for a variety of different reasons. Um, we don't need to go into the, into the details of the crux of what these founders use. Every business is different. But this injection of capital is, uh, yeah, led by a lead investor. Um, and a lead investor is someone or some institution that sets the economic terms for a fundraise. So economic terms meaning the valuation of the business, the share price of the, of the shares, and then also the share class. And with this lead in place, what that does is it allows that founder to be able to then reach out to other investors that want to come in on the same terms and raise additional capital on top of that lead. So that's where Cedars is one of those follow-on funders where we adopt those existing terms of the lead for that crowd, for their users of the business to be able to uh, come in and uh, invest alongside that lead. I mean, and I mean, are there ever times when, um, in fact, in terms of like round up, what we did, like we've made like plenty of mistakes, but I mean, is there, do you have the philosophy or do you apply the philosophy that the, these young companies should start selling as soon as possible? Or is it a case that, because I, I kind of feel that we've like created this culture where it's like grow, 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 and then like work out how you're going to monetize later. But mm. is, is that changing or is or, or is it still very much, um, or sorry, are you looking at companies or are you trying to encourage companies to try and like raise, sorry, to, to actually get sales early on? Uh, I think there has been a change uh, in how these companies are. Uh, there's been a lot of lot of change recently in in what investors look for in businesses. Um, so I guess speaking from an investor standpoint again, just because I haven't yet founded a business and I haven't yet been at the at the coal face of actually having to need to to, to change my business Your time, uh, <laughs> growth and all that sort of thing. So. Uh, when it comes to investment, yeah, there's this tendency, well, there has been a tendency in the last couple of years to focus on businesses that are growing exceptionally quickly. And uh, all of that investment is funneled into uh, a business of, of possible sort of user growth rather than maybe uh, set out a, a model of revenue growth or revenue uh, sort of creation. And in the last six months, uh, we've noticed that businesses have changed their angle from a growth mindset to a uh, profitability mindset. Um, and this is, I guess, what investors are now looking at and uh, really honing in on how is it that these businesses may be able to generate revenue maybe a little bit faster than what they had in plan maybe a year ago. And what is that then going to, how is that then going to impact their business? Um, so it's then, yeah, looking at going back to the fundamentals of how a business operates and looking at 
sort of the uh, not the user growth uh, solely focused on that, but it was more so the yeah how the business is going to generate revenue. Um, yeah, that's I guess how how it's how it's changed recently. Um, then also maybe like to touch on uh, what we've noticed at Seed is because we need that lead investor. So these businesses that we're chatting with, they they tend to have uh, been spending a lot more time speaking with more VCs or institutions or angels for a longer period of time. Uh, this is because these institute these investors are going back to sort of not a like a, they're, they're a due diligence method that existed post sort of GFC where you have a lot more uh, investors need to understand businesses a lot more and I mean you go back like a year ago people were dropping term sheets in front of founders after doing some due diligence lightly over a couple of couple of days even so that's definitely changed um, and that means that the process to seek investment is a lot more lengthy uh, than what it was see we've never been good at raising money ever um we kind of like gave up we gave up on that idea quite a while ago like what's the difference between the companies that are very good at raising money and the ones that are not so good at raising money? Like, what is it that lead investors and also, you know, um, well, investors also, what is it that they're looking for? Yeah, uh, I think obviously you have to have a, a business model which is rather unique, something that stands out from the rest. Um, you need to have a team that is dedicated, passionate about the mission, the vision, the model that exists that may change in the future. Uh, I think that team, when it comes to crowdfunding, if we are involved in the crowd in, in a round, it's time that that team spends on the campaign. Uh, the most successful crowdfunds are those that where team and the and the founders are, are dedicated to the raise for the full allocation of when they're live and in preparation of a of a raise. So a raise on Cedars takes three months. So a month of preparation, a month of being live on the platform and a month of closing. So those uh, months needed to be, yeah, a lot of focus needs to be done for, 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 for those teams. Then guess it's, yeah, for investors to look at what has the company done prior to the fundraise. So looking at uh, maybe uh, sort of revenues, growth, uh, those sorts of metrics and ensuring that they align with what they forecast, realistic forecasts. And can this company, can the founders deliver? Um, are they going to be able to uh, yeah, say what they, they're, they're articulating to these kinds of investors? And then an exit strategy. Investors are there to uh, take a, hopefully, a, a return on, on, on investing into these companies. Um, so it's then making sure as a, as a founder, as a, as, a, as a company, that you're approaching the correct kind of investor, because not every investor is for every company and not every company is for every investor. Uh, so that's, yeah, yeah. That's... And, and in terms of like, um, like the Cedars platform, what you guys are doing, you mentioned that people spend like a month really on the platform. Like what, what is that experience? So if I'm a founder, I've, I sign up to Cedars. I'm accepted into the program. Um, 
or at least I'd fall within your, shall we say, fall, fall within uh, your areas of expertise. What's the what's the next step? What's the user experience for the founder and for and for the uh, the investors on the other side? Yeah. You already have a lead investor, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'll start with uh, with being a company, and then I can start on the investor side. So as a company, uh, you begin preparations. You're granted, I guess, a dashboard where you have access to the brains of the campaign, and this is where you upload all the information about branding about the company structure, about the investment terms. And here, you then uh, yeah, begin to create a video, create campaign copy text that's going to be outlined on the website. And once we have a sense of what this business looks like, we can then launch a campaign on the website. When you launch on Cedars, you're going to be alongside. Uh, for those that may, maybe I should talk on on cedars to begin with in, in how in what it looks like before we go into the, into the crux of uh, a company that has already approached us so cedars is a way for companies to list their campaigns alongside a lot of other companies it's a marketplace it's a platform where you're tiled alongside these other companies again sector agnostic different raise sizes appealing to different uh investor in, investor demographics so you then have crowdfunding. We also have a, a, an angel deal room where there's only uh, high net worth sophisticated, if you want to categorize them, uh, that you're then listing in front of these kinds of people. And then we also have secondary market, which is the largest in the EU, uh, the uh, first in the world where it's a private stock exchange, essentially. So if you raise through Cedars, your company can then list there, providing liquidity options for those early investors. Um, so that gives you a set. So you've got crowdfunding, you've got a private deal room for access of high net worth individuals, you have a secondary market. Um, and I guess the core of what we really want to focus on, the journey that I'm taking you through for a company is the crowdfund. So that's where preparation, access to a dashboard. Once all that's complete, you then go live. Once you're live, what does that mean? It means that uh, we push out to our repeatable investors that continue to flow through Cedars, those that build portfolios of companies that list on Cedars, and we market them. We showcase your business and reasons for why it may be an opportunity that you could be interested in. Then on the flip side, you're reaching out at the same time to your customers, your users, those that know your business the best. And this is so that we can... Uh, have a it's a strategy for for retention uh, so if you're reaching out to your users and giving them an opportunity to invest into a business that they continually use uh, why would they then go to a competitor they are invested into you now so their likely of likelihood of retention is increased fourfold when it comes to acquisition this is not just a capital play it's not just a way to uh, raise additional capital. It's a way to acquire new users. So people that may not have ever heard of your business before, they see your opportunity and they then, as an investor, then start to use your product or service because, again, they're invested into you. While you're listed, you can have a variety of uh, sort of investor perks, which are incentives for people to invest bracketed amounts. So, example, £250, I'm going to invest, I then get a 20% uh, 
discount on the first three months of using your subscription platform, whatever it is. We can be as creative as we like. While that's there, there are updates that are constantly uh, being delivered by the founders to engage those that are following a campaign. So milestones that you have achieved recently, milestones that you achieved that week, milestones that you're looking to achieve in the future to continue to uh, engage these followers of your campaign to maybe invest first or, or to top up an amount. It's then uh, a place where potential investors can ask questions. So a discussion board where I encourage founders to actively uh, respond timely and most comprehensively. So then those that follow that discussion board sort of thread can then be incentivized to invest again. We have pitch decks, we have videos, lots of content that happens while you're live in that 30 days. And this is where I say the most successful campaigns are those founders that spend a lot of time and energy on this campaign because it is a little bit of work. Um, I was gonna yeah, I was gonna ask about that. I mean, in terms of what makes a successful campaign. Um, you know, in, I've always been a big believer the devil is in the detail, and it is. So what what does it really take for one of the founders when they're spending time? Um, what exactly are they doing? Where are they spending their energy to make sure that it is as, it is utilised as well as it can be? Uh, so before launching, you would have an FAQs of investors that you've already approached during this funding round and what people have been asking previously. Um, so support you in obviously collating a list of those ready for that retail investor to ask the same question. Um, then it's uh, success is, yeah, uh, I guess a lot of milestones that you're looking to achieve either while you're live or post-raise to encourage people to stay engaged. It's, um, yeah, I guess a, a lot of attention uh, that's needed to ensure it's successful. Um but before then, obviously, you need to ensure the business is the right fit. It, you have users in place that you think are going to be most interested to actually invest. And it needs to be something as compelling for our seeders investors as well. Sure. And it's noisy. I can only imagine how many pitch decks you get, how many uh, are sent to you, how many you read. Um, especially in the current climate, it's very difficult for investors. Um, it's noisy. So when, when you look at like an investment opportunity, how do you first decipher, if you haven't met the person, if you're just looking at a pitch deck, how do you decipher whether or not it's a good opportunity or a bad opportunity in the current climate? It's the, uh, that's the golden question, uh, Lawrence. And it's where you, uh, I have to appreciate um, me speaking personally and how I look at these kinds of okay. kinds of pitch decks, um, I need to understand that every business uh, operates differently and every founder is very different to the to the one next to them. Uh, so that makes a pitch deck so important because I'm looking at so many every single day. Um, it needs to be punchy. It needs to get to the point in a couple of, I mean, 12 pages, 15 pages. Uh, it can't be information memorandums. They're long gone now. Uh, for startups, um, detailed explanations of business is terrific, wonderful for your own internal sort of understanding. Definitely write one out. But I think if you want to engage VCs or you want to engage uh, people like me, uh, we need to make sure that the information that you're, you're you're coming across with 
is punchy and engaging, uh, something that really sort of stands out. Um, then that and gets you to the next stage where you then get on a call and then you can talk through reasons and expand on those points that are within those uh, that, that pitch deck. Um, and then it's the process of, um, yeah, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, from what the pitch deck says, just uh, be persistent, be a persistent founder um, and, and make sure you're targeting the right investors. Yeah, that's crucial. So that, that's that's the hardest thing. So so in terms of like building up contacts, when we first started, I just went to Axel, Sequoia Capital, DWS, Andreessen Horowitz, because those are the companies that I knew. I didn't really know any other any other investment companies. Um, obviously, those uh, institutions invest far further down the line, Series A, B, C, and on and on and on. Um, from your experience, what's the difference between a good investor and a bad investor? Mm. Uh, so, I mean, firstly, great list. Or the right one and the wrong one. To reach out to. Great businesses to reach out to, Lawrence. You can only uh, only start at the top. That's but um... they helped us. They were they were actually, especially like Sequoia Capital. Like they 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 gave us so much time. Awesome. That's so, great. Yeah. That's great. And yeah, even if an investor doesn't make an, an investment or like it's good to just chat with them and get their perspective on, on what their take is. And if they like the proposition, then they can point you in the direction of maybe an investor that is more suitable for whatever reason. Um, these investors, they have mandates. They have uh, sort of criteria that they uh, say that they need to stick to. And genuinely, that is the case. Um, so yeah, I guess, yeah, that would be, that would be a first start to to yeah, speak with those investors. But coming to to your point on what what's a good investor and what's a bad investor, you're going to have these people on your cap table for the longevity of your business's existence. So you need to pick them correctly and right because they're going to dictate how a business is is going to run. Obviously, depending on multitude of reasons with all factors within a term sheet, uh, but they are on your cap table. Um, so this investor, uh, you need to make sure that they are aligned with your vision. Uh, vision can change or the, or the direction of the business can change, but initially you've got to be on the same, same page. And for when you do take them on, obviously to be able to have investors that you're comfortable either being silent or if they're active, they're actively helping you achieve the goals. Uh, and that needs to be uh yeah clear from the get-go uh but again i'm i'm a i'm an expert on crowdfunding and we are a silent investor uh so what that means is that when we invest into businesses once they raise with us on the platform there's a single name on a cap table uh where it's seed is nominee limited and we represent all those beneficial owners through the crowd and that then means you can go away and sort of operate your business as you are with those other existing investors and maybe lead investor that is dictating the terms. So a good investor, those things, bad investor, yeah, I guess someone who does the opposite of all of those things that I just said. I mean, and in terms of um, good and bad, have, in your opinion, have VCs been like irresponsible the last really since the 2008 financial crisis it's just been like an opportunity to just fund businesses insane valuations in fact you know what so 
I don't know if you, have you ever seen the Dragon's Den? Yes. So I kind of feel sorry for some of the people on there because they go on there and they have these like stupid valuations and Peter Jones destroys them every time. When we went to Seattle uh, in like 2019, we we went out there. We didn't have a clue what we were doing. We met with like some VCs and like the, in on the west coast of America, and we we hadn't made any money at all. And they were already giving us like these stupid like wild valuations. Um, what what is it? What's happened? Is it like a, just a difference in culture between the US and the UK, or is it that the UK are probably far more realistic or is it that the americans are like far more positive but has there been a climate of irresponsibility i think is what i'm trying to get at i think the uk and the us are very different from each other when it comes to investor appetite and then i guess that trickles down to the kinds of businesses and the valuations that they're that they're willing to invest in or at and and this is an example and and my personal experience with this is we have we've just been bought by a company called republic over in the us so cedars is now republic so the largest private investment platform in the world uh and what we're noticing is that yeah companies that they have been working with uh they're rounds yeah so i'm just going to talk about personal experience of, of, of what i've seen um and when it comes to like a, maybe a, maybe a seed series A B C D whatever it is the series in the US the series even though it could be an A if it's the series A in the UK and series A in the US it's significantly higher in the US just because the it's the, uh, I'm not sure what I'm trying to it's very different uh, and I don't it, quite it know like- I've only been in there for about four years so I can't really say what I think of, of the of the highly inflated uh, sort of investments uh, since the GFC. But yeah, what I've noticed in just the last year is... A reality you, check? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A reality check. That, that's what I think. And I, I think actually um, all of a sudden, like it's not going to be as easy to like raise capital for the bigger companies. And from experience, when you look, go, go back to the 2000, 2001, tech bubble crisis 2008 financial crisis now is the time for young startups to get out there get ahead um obviously if they've done it properly they'll have low capital expenditure they can certainly compete on price and if they've got the ability to innovate then there's no reason why we shouldn't see you know the next whatsapp the next uber or slack you know um in fact actually one thing we added to our website recently is we looked at just some like really interesting companies that were born during um during like uh, recessions and they included like uh, disney ibm microsoft right and all of a sudden like during these times these periods of uncertainty there's just like a huge opportunity for young founders to just have their have the, i guess have their companies win market share Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it's interesting. I, I, I think what's what's fascinating for me is we have never we've, we were never approached for investment. You know, we were fortunate that we were great at networking. And I think in the last like two or three months, we've probably had about five or six companies. No more. We've had a, a fair amount of companies actually say, hey, you know, would you be open to exploring this? Um, 
we've never raised money before on on rayon and what's funny is that we were chasing 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 gave up on it and we were just like actually let's take the attitude that we're getting for as we were chasing we're like wait a minute we've got more and more value we've got a better product we've got paying clients we've got like tens of thousands of users um and it got to the point where we were like actually i almost swore there but i'm not gonna uh but, but you know we got to the point where we were just like we can just do this on our own mm. to a point right we also know but we're also realists in, in respect to the fact that we know at some point we're going to rely on like raising money but i think what we're trying to do is just do it on our terms you know yeah. Yeah. Um, what but, a wonderful uh, position to be in. I mean, that's that's ideal. Yeah, it doesn't feel it like genuinely. It it, it it's hard as hell. Well, because it, it's just like we've we've been through like hell. Like I, I kid you not, we've been like the beginning of the year, we got um, hacked internally um, by a, a sh- I would say like Russian Ukrainian hackers, right? Yeah. Which is like mad. Um, it identified like flaws in our systems massively to the point where I pretty much had to change if reply to expression, change our entire tech team um, to it. And we had to like rebuild the entire architecture. Um, yeah. Well, like we've like, that, that's, I could tell you like 20 reasons, but, but, but um, one thing I will say is that Jan, Emma and I, and Tarek, you know, we had a business prior where we had raised money. We bought in the wrong investor, nothing against them, but we bought in the wrong investor and it just completely flopped because even if they come in for a minority stake, any investor naturally is going to want to, have, they're going to have their terms. They're going to have their vision for the business. And I probably should, didn't do a good enough job of actually sticking to my convictions, but I like, actually no. We're not doing this. Um, we're going to stick to the core principles. We're going to build the platform the way that we see it. But it's hard when people dangle like a lot of money in front of you. They're like, yeah, we'll invest, but we want to see A, B, C, and D. And you're like, okay, well, it's a start for us. So let's do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah. Um, well, just just coming to, yeah, I guess, the companies some companies need capital to be able to stay and 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 keep maybe just grow grow faster other companies need capital to be able to actually function and and survive i think they're two two key two key points when it comes to investment and companies that then maybe uh yeah requiring investment to 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 thrive um what i'm what i'm trying to get is you got uh over the last two months this period where the economic macroeconomic circumstances drastically changed founders so firstly investors companies that are looking for investment were approaching investors that hadn't yet figured out their mandate and how they're going to adjust investing into businesses because founders hadn't yet adjusted their their valuation and 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 some of their some of their metrics where they were going from growth to now profitability so there was this two month period which i think where 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 sort of ending now where founders have now adjusted their either their, their their model they've adjusted their valuation investors have now spoken with their maybe limited partners or people that they're representing to confirm their deployment of capital that may be needed to be able to reimburse these these limited partners so i think we're entering this period now where there's a realization of the 
the investment landscape has adjusted for startups, um, which is exciting. Um, and yeah, yeah, something to something to just yeah, look at. Do, do you know one one thing that like I'm on that? You know, I think one of the fastest ways mm. to learn, and it was actually don't know why we're talking about dragons then now, but I I met someone purely randomly that like um, worked with like one of one of the dragons in very close proximity and ran uh, companies for them, and we demoed our platform to them a couple of years ago, and he was like serious serious dude. Re- ridiculous at mental arithmetic like you know and I work with mathematicians but this guy was fast and he um he kind of laughed like in, in a respectful way he was like Lawrence just go out there and sell it just go out there and sell it and at the time we'd given our platform away to like 30 to 40 companies just to get their feedback and what do you think happened none of them were using it because it was free so he said charge them a pound he goes honestly he goes I don't care what you sell it for go and sell it for a pound the second they pay for it, they're going to complain. So obviously we didn't sell it for a pound. We sold it for like substantially more. And we just like, we just, we just sold it. Like, you know, it was like uh, stack it high, sell it cheap. And we just got the best user feedback. It was the best advice we probably had, you know, and from a, he's also, I should have pointed out, he's actually an investor as well himself. Um, but like, I think he invests like series A, series B. Um, he was like, just sell it for a pound. And we obviously didn't do that. Went out there, sold it to a dozen or so companies just to begin with. And they just did all of our market research for us, our user our user research. You know, so I, I, I think that the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that actually companies now, given the investment landscape, they don't want to pay 30, 40, 50,000 pounds for a platform when a new company can come along and offer it for like a tenth of the price, you know? And I think that's the opportunity now for early stage companies to partner up with companies like Cedars. So they've got that go-to-market, they've got that path, right, to raise capital and to grow. And in addition to that, there's now a, a landscape and an opportunity for them to go out there and just have customers complain about their products. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of the best, honestly, it's, yeah, besides being hacked, which is one of the worst experiences, uh, one of the best experiences is actually just getting a load of companies to tell you how much your product sucks, because that that's a really, really powerful uh, starting point, because you've proven you can sell it, you know, then it comes down, right, how do we improve the user experience? How do we make the user experience better? And how do we then build it so that we, you know, we can retain our clients? So. Yeah. So, so things changed quite a lot after the hack then. Best thing, or not best thing that ever happened to us. Like, so there was actually one, I'm not going to say who, but there was one company that we tried, to, we applied for like one of their like accelerator programs, didn't get it. And we saw a, about a month or two off, we got our rejection later. They had set up a brand new company, brand new company um that was run by like some founders in switzerland who were already extremely wealthy and they had a very very similar concept to us like ridiculously similar uh, worryingly similar so you know i I kind of the the team kind of had their head in their hands um for a couple of days but i said look guys this is proof of concept you know this is if they're seeing that actually what we're doing and we gave them everything we're idiots we told them how we got our 20,000 users we we showed them the platform we filmed it for them um we did everything i was like emailing them back and forth telling them they were asking questions and rather than actually investing in us they went and 
pretty much gave the money to their mates um over but look it is what it is but i think in terms of being hacked i'm not going to admit because we're actually filming how i got how i worked out but i will say this i ended up getting them to work for us hackers to work for us for free for two weeks and actually i'm still in touch with them you know like they weren't back they were were young kids they were young kids saw an opportunity went for it and i was like they are pretty strong developers and obviously i don't speak to them often now Um, unfortunately i think they're um given the current uh, climate in that part of the world um they're not easily accessible but yeah they were super talented so i just kind of like listen you've obviously got something about you like let's just after a lot of swearing like genuinely tons like <laughs> the things that i did and said to convince them to give it back to us um and to help us like yeah like i'll probably i've heard stories over in the us where the us government they hire people to hack their own system systems and they do it deliberately and they pay them an extortionate amount of money to be able to try to crack whatever it is and there's rewards if they do it just to be able to make sure that that new platform or new whatever it is that they built is secure it seems like you're, you're the you're the private version of the u.s government right? <laughs> yeah I, I, well I, I i think more than that I, I think i could convince them to actually like work with us and actually just they had like some extreme skills and i thought if they've been able to do that you know, there's obviously value there. There's young kids, probably like misdirected, you know, try to blackmail us for money. Um, and yeah, I just played an absolute blinder, blinder. But um, yeah, actually, I was actually at my parents' house during one of the conversations and I thought I was in a room on my own. My mum's walked in, she heard the conversation, was like, who the hell were you just talking to? And I was like, oh, don't ask but yeah I had to I had to make a decision do I do I just kind of like beg and plead which never would have worked or do I just absolutely blag it and big time them so I went with the uh the latter yeah and and the rayon platform is more secure than ever before so what the interesting thing is simultaneous to that I just started speaking with a new team of, of like engineers because I was, I was building out the engineering team so I, um, I, I actually met, so I met someone that they were like, listen, let me actually like, I, I said, look, what do you think? Why did this happen? And he ripped our uh, platform apart. Like, I mean, he sent me like a 35, 36 page document of all the mistakes we'd made. And we were like, can you help us fix it? He was like, not interested, no chance. But if you're interested in rebuilding it and rebuilding it properly, I'm up for that. So, you know, fast forward, what is it? Like almost 10 months later, we're getting ready to like relaunch the new version. Um, We obviously had to reach out to all of our clients and just like be like transparent about what happened, scrap everything um, and start again. But start again from a real high point of knowledge, but also then understanding that, you know, the tech guys we had respectfully weren't good enough and... You know, we had to have difficult conversations and we had to bring in a whole new team. Uh, and any teasers for what's to come? Yeah, sure. So, so I'll find, okay, well, I, I think so, you know, yeah. over the next, over the next like, 
week or so no i was gonna say like over the next week or so we, we're going to relaunch the platform um, we are dedicated to creating the world's best user experience for launching a startup we're obviously hoping that we have an opportunity to really help the founders i think we've got about so far about two and a half three thousand founders that have already signed up to um the previous platform um and we're hoping that we can actually just create transparency, give them visibility to companies like yourselves. And we're going to continue to build out user tools um, for them to be able to, you know, build their own startup. Um, whilst we're also simultaneously partnering with about we've got a lot of like fintech and blockchain companies we're partnering with. But yeah, so uh, we've been really lucky. But I mean in terms of seeders, I mean you know let, let me just ask you, I'm conscious of time, but you know, what what's next for you guys? What what does the future look like for you? Yeah, so we're going to continue to crowdfund. That's uh, our bread and butter. That's what we're best at. We're going to continue that. We're going to grow out that secondary market so that companies can give their investors early access to the liquidity and exit earlier than uh, if they, if the company, uh, rather than the company deciding on when they exit, the investor has the choice. Um, we then have a variety of sort of products that we're going to bring across from the public over to the EU, um, raising for, yeah, uh, crypto white labeling and building out from consultancy to tokens to then deployment, um, apply that in the EU. We're looking to bring over investment into, into music as well, real estate, not just startups. I mean, the breadth and the, and the capacity is, is enormous and it's going to be an exciting exciting couple of years for the blending Republican seeders together. Nice. Well, looking forward to do, doing that. And uh, for any of you uh, budding founders out there on, on the round platform, um, be sure to check out uh, the seeders page. Um, of course, all the information is there. Um, Andrew, it's been great to have you with us today. Um, I really do appreciate your time. And yeah, hopefully we can uh, catch up soon. Thanks, Lawrence. Great to see you. Good to see you.